All right, everyone, welcome back into another live edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast right here on the CLNS Media Network. It is Brian Hines back with Alex Barth from 98.5, the sports hub to bring you all your latest Patriots news and updates. We have some more coaches hires. Uh, we can get into a little bit of college football and the draft later on, but we also, for the first time, heard from the New England Patriots' new offensive coordinator, Alex Van Pelt. Uh, it was a team release video yesterday on Wednesday. It was about a minute long, but we can dissect that minute because uh, there were four or five pretty good quotes in there from the new off- offensive coordinator. So we're going to break that down. It was a lot of, you know, his big thing seemed to be connectivity, connecting with his each other and the unit and the teammates were kind of his, his big points. But he also talked about the running game, the scheme, the quarterback. So again, we'll get into kind of the nitty gritty details of all of this this minute long video from Alex Van Pelt. But uh, right. what was or is there any like big picture takeaway kind of kind of from you from this from this video? Uh, I mean, I think he he touched on four big things: uh, teamwork, chemistry, kind of like his one uh, is one. Uh, he he talked about his scheme. He talked about his philosophy on quarterbacks. He talked about his philosophy on running the ball. So. I don't, you know, big overarching thing. I just think that this is new, like hearing from a coach like this and in that sense is new. And they actually literally, as we started the show, so I haven't even heard it yet, but uh, as we hit go live, they dropped one of these videos for Demarcus Covington too, like four minutes ago. So yeah, we may have to try to like, listen to that as we do the show, we'll try to figure something out. Uh, But yeah, the, the, the overall concept of this is definitely a little bit different. Yep. So I think one of the you know big quotes for me was him talking about the scheme because we sat here since he got hired, which was about two weeks ago exactly, I think, to this point. And you know, you go back to what he's done in Cleveland and running this West Coast scheme, but you don't know what it's really gonna look like until we get out on the practice field. But you know, he said, and you know, you can quote him here. A lot of guys will have scheme that they understand and have familiarity with as coordinators, but it, if it doesn't fit the player, then how good is the scheme? So a good coordinator will often take the strengths of their players that he has, play to their strengths, while at the same time being able to protect them from their weaknesses. So that was, you know, kind of music to a, a lot of people's ears. That's I think after quote. after seeing some guys in, in the past few years just come in here and. You know, we're yelling that they're not using them right. You know, use them this way. Use them like they did at, you know, his previous destination. So the fact that, you know, he'll obviously have his scheme that he wants to run, but it looks like he's going to come in here and kind of cater it to, you know, this receiver is good at that. We're going to let him do this instead of, you know, trying to fit that square peg in a round hole type type of side. Yeah, and I think it – so that's one element of it. And that's probably the first thing. And it should be the first thing you think of is that, like you said, how many times, Brian, did we sit here and say, they're using this guy wrong. They're using that guy wrong. And that's what good coordinators do. You have your core philosophy. It's not like I expect him to come out and, oh, you know, these players would be better in spread. So we're going to run spread. Like, no, that's not. And, and it shouldn't be built like that. He should be working with Elliot Wolf and Matt Grow to find the players to loosely fit in the roles that he wants. But you know, if he says, all right, well, we had Amari Cooper doing this in Cleveland. Go find me Amari Cooper. I, they're human beings. Like, you're not going to find a carbon copy of Amari Cooper. There's, at the very least, going to be little nuances in the game. And being able to be flexible and tailor the scheme to your personnel is something the Patriots, like you said, have struggled with in the last few years. And it's something really exciting 
to think about going forward. And the other element of it is the long-term implications of that, however long he's here. Look, if it's successful, he won't be here long. He's going to get a head coaching job, but you lose a player and you adapt. You don't just continue banging your head against the wall without that player if you don't have the ability to do what that player was offering. So his ability, and and last year's a great example. He goes to the playoffs using five different quarterbacks, five very stylistically different quarterbacks, and the scheme was the same, but they're running different combinations of plays or different looks, or they're running certain plays more than others with different quarterbacks. His ability to be flexible within his scheme I think is important. I think for any offensive coordinator, not just Alex Van Pelt, I think for any offensive coordinator, that's very important. And I think it's something Josh McDaniels got caught up with at times. I mean, the, the Matt Patricia thing is its own. Uh, that's its own. That's we don't extreme. need to open. Yeah, we don't <laughs> need to open that door right now. But even Bill O'Brien, I thought at times last year, remember when they benched Mario Douglas and then they had like Juju Smith-Schuster and Devontae Parker running tunnel screens? Yeah. It's like, what do you do? Either put Douglas in the game or call something else. And this is a great example of a guy saying, and now hopefully he's not benching a promising rookie for a rookie mistake because they happened. But the idea that like, let's say he got hurt. Well, you're not going to go out there and try to overcompensate with something that won't work. They're going to, you're going to shift and pivot and it'll all exist under that umbrella of the West coast. And this, we'll get to the running part of it, but this play action heavy offense, but it's going to look a little different depending on the situation. I think that's important. Yep. And, and you know, someone brings up a point here, kind of like KC adopted after Tyreek Hill Great left, point. where that offense was explosives, we're throwing the ball down the field, Tyreek Hill's generating these big plays, and now you see they win a Super Bowl, kind of completely remodeling that. And, you know, they're throwing a lot of screens, they're throwing it a lot more at the line of scrimmage, and just a completely different look based off losing an explosive player like, like Tyreek Hill and having to adapt to your new personnel. So does that change your opinion on anyone fit on this team going forward with the Patriots, whether, you know, maybe it's too extreme to say Mac Jones, but maybe someone like Tyquan Thornton, who has, hasn't really been used great. I'd say like, is he all of a sudden going to be a thousand yard receiver under Alex Van Pelt? Probably not, but I mean, yeah, that'd be does something. It, <laughs> does it give you any hope for anyone else or maybe one of those guys to maybe develop into a little bigger of a role here moving forward? That's a good question. I didn't, really even think about it in that context i maybe there's a, a cop out but to mario douglas like the one guy who was good because <laughs> i think if you're van pelt you look at him you say i have something here and he's clearly going to build things specifically into the offense or certain players i don't know i maybe like i see where you're coming from i'm not saying i disagree with you but taekwon thorne's going to 30 of his deal with no guaranteed money there's not a ton of incentive to involve him what about what Tyquan Thornton has done? Does Alex Van Pelt look at and say, I got to find a role for this guy? Yeah. As opposed to maybe finding his own guy. What it does give me more hope for is that we can actually get excited about some of the guys that they draft. Like I, it's on the defensive side of the ball. So I, it's not a perfect comparison, but like with Marte Mampu, right? We were all excited that they were going to have this athletic off ball linebacker. And then he turns out to just be a depth safety because that's just the role that they pitch an ultimate to. So, being able to, you know, maybe if Van Pelt had been here at the beginning, you know, Tyquan Thornton's rookie year, if they'd approach it a little differently instead of again, Matt Patricia, it shakes out a little differently. But I think at this point with that guy, so I would say guys from last year's draft class was promised those were all defensive players. Yeah. So like <laughs> that's kind of where my brain's going. It's Pop Douglas. I guess maybe if you really likes Keishon Booty, but like 
yeah, I don't, I don't really, it, it, it's tough at that point. I think with some of those guys, it may be, we may be a little too far gone to just simply yep. be like, oh yeah, we'll find, we'll find a role for you in this. Yep. It's probably more exciting about the players they'll add here in, right. in the next, in the next coming months. But uh, you mentioned running the ball and I guess one player who is on the roster that should be excited about some of these comments is Ramondre Stevenson yeah. because uh, Van Pelt said, I think running the football in this league wins games, wins championships, being able to do it late into the season, which isn't a surprise. If you've watched these Browns offenses, they're top five in uh, rushing attempts per game and in, in three of the last four that if you, you know, top 10, all last four years in rushing attempts per game. So they're going to want to run the ball. We, you see that watching, you know, looking at the stats, uh, looking at Cleveland, uh, that's a big part of their offense running it and then kind of setting up those play action passes downfield. So that that's a big part of it. And that should be kind of music to uh, Ramondre Stevenson's ears there. Yeah, I think Ramondre Stevenson's going to be a, a tremendous fit. I guess to go back to your point, if there's a player like I'm excited about, we already know Ramondre Stevenson's good, but I think, you know, he's not Nick Chubb. I'm not going to sit here and say he's Nick Chubb, but similar kind of player, similar style, similar approach. They win the same way. Chubb maybe does it a little more emphatically, but I, I think this is a great fit for Ramondre Stevenson. And if I'm the Patriots, I go try to pair a speed back with him to do some of that wide outside zone stat yep. stuff. And, here you go. You're off and running. So yeah, it, it should not come as a surprise at all. He wants to run the ball. I think also being in the Northeast, you know, late in the year, you're going to need to run the ball in order to win some of these games. So I, that, that one didn't surprise me much. And it's not, you know, we need to run the ball because I want to run the ball. It's that's the setup. We do set up plays and their shot plays and they don't, they don't, set up they don't use like short pass plays to set up up long pass plays they use the run to set up play action that's how they build their explosives so if he's not running the ball his offense isn't going to work so it shouldn't come as much as a surprise but yeah he came right out and said it and somehow evan didn't have a heart attack when he heard that so <laughs> uh but no i i mean i i it's tough to say like oh i love that quote or i hate that quote it's just like yeah dude likes to run the ball like figure that one out yeah i i mean i get some people might be like, oh, we're gonna be running the ball in 2024 when everyone else is throwing it around. But you run it with purpose. Yeah, and it's different than kind of how you know Belichick kind of seemed like let's run the ball to kind of like keep possession, maintain the clock. We're not gonna probably turn it over as right. much that way. This is we're gonna run the ball and then we're gonna hit these explosive play actions off of it, and that's how right. we're gonna move the ball. So purpose is kind of a good word for that. But it's also sorry, like it's. And I mean, this is one and the same, but the real where I think we'll see it tangibly is you're running the ball to force the defense to respect the run. And then you're hitting them with counters. I still go back to that 21 season when Nelson Aguilar was just here to run wind sprints. They, 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 you know, they brought in a speed guy to take the top off the defense. But by like week six, teams realized that they were never actually going to throw him the ball. And there was one game against Buffalo. It was the game here. So not the wind game. It was the game here where it's the fourth quarter they're driving i think it was to tie the game or get within three or something like late and they had nelson Aguilar split out wide to the left and all their 10 guys were in on the formation and the bills just had one corner out on nelson Aguilar, man on man and one deep safety and they had nine guys in the box and they said try it and the patriots kept running the ball and that's where I'm like, play action, play, like, like run, play act. That's where Van Pelt's offense should 
go to that next step. And that's why you run the ball because it's all about putting the defense in conflict. Every offense, the the, the different offensive systems, basically what they boil down to is they all do something a little different to create conflict for the defense. And what Van Pelt's going to do is going to run the ball and they're going to run it well. And then for the defense, you have a choice to make. Are you going to let them run for five, six yards of pop on you? Or are you going to put an extra linebacker on the field, bring a safety down into the box and go single high? And then if they do that, the hope is, well, now you have, you know, six, seven guys in the box. So you should be more or less one-on-one across the board with not much help over the top. Can you take advantage of that in the pass game and force the defense to choose? Yep. Kind of like, you know, Detroit did a lot of that the last. Yeah. I I think it's, I've said that it's, it's aesthetically going to look a lot like what Detroit's offense looks like. The philosophy behind it is different. Like the actual X and O's behind it are sort of different. They get their different ways, but just what you're looking at is like somebody who just watches the game on Sundays. It's going to look very similar. Yep. But it is uh, interesting. You mentioned they need kind of that, that speed back and it's funny. They, they kind of need their own Pierre Strawn again, who went to, you know, Cleveland under. Well, (laughs) so um, any of those guys, you know, maybe not in free agency, but late in the draft who, who you're kind of looking at, who maybe, could take over that that speed role. I mean, we saw we all like Dylan Labe and, and he showed kind of that burst in, in the senior bowl, but anyone else who you think might be a good compliment to Ramondre Stevenson, where if he's you know handling some of that more inside stuff, then you can get this speed guy into, you know, hit those wide zones outside the tackles. We'll get we'll get a much better idea after the combine because I don't have like the tracking data yeah. for these backs. Um Marshawn Lloyd from USC, I think would be a great fit. He's obviously a little higher up the board. You're probably talking about a fifth round pick for him. Uh, Cody Schrader from Missouri uh, is a guy that would make some sense for me. And, and Imani Bailey from TCU are just three guys that that kind of stand out. Cause you don't, I had this epiphany when I was doing my mock draft last week, Brian, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I'm like, Oh yeah, of course my Patriots take Dylan Lowby local kid. And here we go. I get to write about replacing James white. And then I kind of stopped for a second and I was like, well, it's not that offense anymore. And I go and I look back at the Browns and they really don't, the running backs are involved in the passing game, but like the, the four years under Van Pelt, they didn't have a running back who's top four on the team in receptions. Whereas James White, when he was here, was basically first or second on the team in, in receptions every single year. So they go more, and this is a more, more NFL teams are doing this. This is a more modern philosophy. You don't have your early down back and your passing down back. You just have two backs. Yeah. And they may approach it differently. You may have like your power back and your speed back, but they can both run the ball and they can both catch the ball and they can both pass block. And you just kind of swap them in and out based, you know, per drive or per matchup or however the hell you want to do it. And I think that's what we're going to see the Patriots go towards because Ramondre can factor in, in the passing game. He's not what you'd call a passing down back, but he can factor in, in the passing game. So that's one guy. And then again, can you get basically like a faster version, maybe a little less power, but a faster version of Ramondre Stevenson, like you said, Pierre Strong really felt <laughs> like that guy. Maybe, uh, maybe the guy. I, I'm is Isaiah Davis the same kind of back? I haven't watched a ton of him, but I'm just uh, South Dakota yeah, State, South Dakota State. So that's. But can you fit, find yeah. like a a faster version of Ramondre? It's probably a little bit smaller, but and then you're just going to alternate them, however you want to alternate them again by drive or by whatever. Right? That's more how. Van Pelt has managed his running backs in the past. And even to bring it to um uh I'm blanking on his name, the the running backs coach that they hired. 
Oh, Embry. Embry, yeah, Taylor Embry. Like that's kind of how the Jets did it too. Yep. They just kind of alternated it for for stamina or whatever. So I feel like that's probably the way it's going to go. Yep. So I was going to ask, and Jason kind of brings it up then, does that cool kind of your thoughts on bringing Ezekiel Elliott back? Because he's not really that, you know, he, he had a good year as a you know receiver and a runner, but he's not really that that speedy guy that might be able to get to the edge at this point in his career. He's more kind of in the Stevenson mold where he's going downhill in between the tackles. So does that change your thoughts at all uh, uh, about Brandon Zeke back here? Look, I wouldn't bring Zeke back. Wouldn't be a bad move. He had a good year last year and there's still, and this is to go back to Van Pelt's comments. Like, I think there's a way within the scheme to make it work with those two. Yeah. You're just going to do more mid zone and more gap than you are outside zone. But I'd like to see like, I'd like to see them go in another direction and try to add some speed there. If it, if Zeke ends up coming back, like fine, but I think that they, it's a good move, but is it a great move kind of thing? That being said, um, I don't, I, I think Zeke's going to contender. I think he was good enough last year that he's going to have a chance to go get a ring. And I'd be surprised if he was back here uh, for his own reasons, forget the Patriots wanting to bring him back or not. Yep. Yeah. So like, these are, these are more of the guys I want them to, I've wanted them to add Jarek McKinnon for, a couple yeah. of I'm, I'm a big fan of his and Antonio Gibson is another good good pull there another good name guy that would make a ton of sense is kind of that counter uh to to Z so it doesn't have to be one of those two guys but uh good pull good names in yeah. that regard two good ones two probably relatively yeah. cheap guys on on the market there too but, I would uh, think so yeah yeah uh the last kind of quote we didn't hit on from Van Pelt was you know talking about quarterback play which he said it's a big part of what he believes in. Obviously, he was a former quarterback, so that, that's no surprise there. But he said putting him in a position to be successful, if you can make that guy be successful, oftentimes your offense is successful. <laughs> I don't know if he's you know wanting to take a shot at, at Bill here. I don't think he has any reason <laughs> to do that. But like it, it's, it's funny just reading it and hearing him say that because it's the opposite of everything we've talked about kind of the last two years where – you know, you're not putting whether it's Mac Jones or or not, you're just not putting your quarterback in a good situation. You're not propping your quarterback up at all, really. So, you know, again, no surprise that you're hearing a guy who's worked with quarterbacks his whole life, a guy who was a quarterback saying you wanna you wanna help your quarterback, you wanna put him in a good situation. Right. But uh yeah, it, it was just kind of funny and interesting it's, to hear him say that. I had the same thought. I'm like, I he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would take a shot. And this maybe is just a core philosophy thing, but in the context of what the Patriots did with both Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi the last two years, just throwing those guys through gauntlet for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> uh, to hear him say that's refreshing. And I always get yelled at when I say, why do, why do you have to tailor the offense to Mac Jones? He's such a baby. Just go out there and run what you're told to run. Bill's offense is tailored to Josh Allen. Baltimore's offense is tailored to Lamar Jackson. Whatever's left of the Chiefs offense is tailored to Patrick Mahomes. Like it was tailored to him. And then the offense left. And now it's just him running around making plays. But all of the, like name a good quarterback in the NFL, his team. And it goes back to the first quote we talked about with Van Pelt, his team. There's a core philosophy, but it's kind of molded around what that quarterback does best. Making things easier on your quarterback is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a smart thing. It's what you want to do when you're trying to develop a quarterback. You want to get him receivers. You want to play to his strengths. You want to say his name when you're asked about him over the course of six months. What you don't want to do 
is give him no talent, try to turn him into Aaron Rodgers when that's not remotely who he is, with a defensive coordinator as the offense coordinator, and then just drag him through the mud in the, in the media, like for, you know, gicks and shiggles. So I, I just, yeah, that was, I, it, it's kind of a no duh thing. Again, the yeah. line I go back to, like you said, is if you can make your quarterback successful, oftentimes your offense is successful. Like, whoa, genius. A, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, here, part of me hearing that was like, okay, good. Like, thank God this belief is in the building now. Cause I don't think it was the last couple of years. And on, on top of the Mac Jones stuff, I didn't even bring up because I formed this take before we heard some of the quotes that are coming out of the dynasty documentary about how Tom Brady was treating all of that. And that's maybe on another level, but yeah, make it easy on the quarterback. What a concept. Oh my God. Now we got to figure out who that quarterback's going to be. And that's a whole other step. But yeah, I, I was in, you should be encouraged by everything Alex Van Pelt says. I understand if the run the ball thing rubs people the wrong way on, on yep. his, the surface, but go look at kind of how he uses that. But I think overall, like you, if you're a Patriots fan, you should be happy with with what Van Pelt had to say. Yep. And it's just like I know we've been texting with like Mike and Taylor. We get the vibes yeah. checked a lot, but he's just like he's a football guy. You can just kind of you can see it. Oh, in the him. first quote. So did we talk? Did we talk about what he? So he did the whole chemistry thing off the top. Yeah. Which like whatever. But uh, the most important guy on the field is the guy to your left and the guy to your right. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Vibes check. Vibes, vibes are back. Vibes are vibes, vibes are in good are spirits. Um, but any any other thing we didn't touch on there? I think those were, you know, it was it, again, it was a minute video, so it's kind of funny to sit here and digest the whole thing. But that's where we're at uh, in the off season at this point. But uh, I think that was most of it. Anything you didn't you didn't get to or no? That was I mean, I, we we hit on all four again. The, the the thing off the top, the team or chemistry thing is like as long as this group always understands we'll play for each other, like. Yeah, I don't. The whole thing when he was hired, remember that was one of the first things we heard was, yeah. "Oh, he's a culture builder and players like him and all that." So that it part was like, you know, yeah, okay, I get it. He's gonna say that. That's part of his whole thing. It doesn't really tell me anything. But the 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 scheme, the quarterbacks, the running backs. I think that was the that was the crux of it. Yep. All right. So that again was the first comments from Patriots new offensive coordinator, Alex Van Pelt. Uh, we are going to take a quick break here from our friends over at FanDuel. And then we can come back with a little more of the coaching staff updates and a little bit more to wrap it up. Get your buckets with your first bet at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams, quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Massachusetts 21 plus and present in MA. Hope is here. First online real money line wager. Only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, so a few more coaching hires as 
since the last time we talked as the staff continues to come together. It sounds like, you know, Mike Reese said they're back in the building. So this thing is pretty close to coming together. Uh, we mentioned in the first segment, running backs coach Taylor Embry uh, comes from the Jets. He was with them the last three years. He also worked with the new quarterback coach, T.C. McCartney, in San Francisco for two years. So, Alex, I'm sorry we now have two Kyle Shanahan disciples on the offensive staff. But uh, <laughs> Hey, look, they're not managing the clock. They're just designing the plays, which is what he's good at. And, so. they, and they come from the offense. So any any thoughts on you know Taylor Embry taking over that, that running back room for Vinny Sinceri? I mean, the, the Jets have done a pretty good job with running back development. I remember drawing Mayo when he came, he said he wants developers, he wants teachers, that kind of thing. So I look at the way the Jets running backs have developed over the last couple of years with Embry. It's been good. So I, they're going to have a new, they're going to have new backs in here, at least one. They probably should have two new backs in here, a free agent and a guy in the draft. Because for what we just talked about, them signing that free agent running back, I would like to see them draft somebody. So, you know, I don't think they're going to want to pay Ramondre Stevenson. You don't pay running backs generally in this league. So, I, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's an important role, but I have no issues with where the Jets running backs have been. So I think he's a good hire. Yeah, it seems like he did a you know good job with Brees Hall. Obviously, right. Brees Hall was a very talented player coming into the league. But I always thought like Michael Carter Jr. was pretty good for the Jets until he seemed to kind of get boxed out. Is he? I don't know. Is, I can't. Is he a Panacanda? Yeah, he, I really he, liked him last year. Yeah, the they always seem to have some, you know, decent rotational guys behind Brees Hall there. Uh, obviously, Dalvin Cook didn't work, but Dalvin Cook eh, might just be Cook. more of a Dalvin Cook <laughs> thing than it is anybody yeah, else. Yeah. That looked like more just a Dalvin Cook issue. So I think Aaron so, Rodgers got hurt and he got bored. Yeah. yeah. So uh, no no issue there. Taylor Embry, again, running backs coach. Uh, the other hire last night was Mike McCarthy. Not that Mike McCarthy. It was an assistant, uh, I believe, from Brown University. He worked on the offensive line. He also... Uh, I'm blanking on where else he worked, but it was a experience. lot of places. He's at yeah. Rutgers. He's with the Dolphins, I think. The Lions, because he's with, at the with the at the Lions with uh, Rothstein. Okay, and, and so he was again offensive line with with Brown. I think he worked like tight ends even before. So he's coming on as an offensive assistant. So just another voice, kind of kind of added to that staff there. Yeah, it's pretty much where I'm at. Another general assistant. I would guess he's going to work with the offensive line, given his background. So you now have like three offensive line coaches, which I'm all for, because yeah. that group is going to need work. You're going to have a lot of new players. You should have a lot of young players. You should have at least two drafted rookies at that on the offensive line, if not three, plus UDFAs, plus maybe like younger guys who are just kind of, you know, first or second year washed out on another team that's a group that's going to need development. So load up the offensive line staff. I'm all for that. Yep. So we're, we're down to kind of, you know, wide receiver and tight end wide receivers, obviously the big, big picture one here. It sounds like Troy Brown, Mike Reese said he has an offer to return what that role could be. We don't really know uh, whether it's wide receivers coach or Troy Brown worked with the returners, whether, you know, that's a role he takes on, but they have Tyquan Underwood as the assistant wide receivers coach. So we still need right. this wide receivers coach where you kind of with, with, with Troy Brown or uh, another name there. I, I'd like to see if he's somebody else. If they want to keep Troy Brown as a returners coach, I'm all for that. But I mean, it's, it's, it's right there. They haven't been able to develop a receiver in Troy Brown's tenure. I just don't get how you give him another group. So I'd like to see them go elsewhere. I don't, the names are so tough 
to kind of pull from, but I, I'm, it'll probably be another Shanahan guy, Brian, uh, or <laughs> somebody else from the Packers or Browns or something. Uh, but yeah, I'm all for finding another wide receivers coach. Yeah. I, I still think Chad O'Shea makes a lot of sense if they can shake him from, from Cleveland. Chad um, O'Shea makes sense. I'll give you one other name that kind of popped into my head and I'm not saying I would hire this guy, but Remember we all thought like Eric Blunt was going to be the running backs coach because he was in camp last year for the uh, Bill Walsh, whatever it is. The It wasn't the Bill Walsh Fellowship, but he was there with like that program. Yeah. Do you remember who was there with him? Aaron Dobson? Yes. Just a name to keep an eye on. Was he, he overlapped with Mayo, right, as a player? That was late they Mayo's. might have been, he was 13, so yeah, he did. Was Tyquan Underwood there too? <laughs> Underwood was there in 11. He would have been gone then. Yeah. So they just missed each other, but yeah. It's another name. Yeah. I was the name I was throwing out. David Ra, I think is how you say his last right. name. He took a job with the uh, commander. So he, he's out of the picture now, but. Oh, Aaron Dobson yeah. actually did just get promoted at Marshall for whatever that's worth. He did. He was so, the offensive. He was an offensive analyst. He got promoted to wide receivers coach last month. Okay. I don't think that precludes him from coming here. I'm just saying. Yeah. That, that's obviously still a, a jump from Marshall to uh, yeah the pros there. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. That That's kind of the, the big one there. Left to fill. Tight ends coach. Uh, we'll see. Uh, someone said Sean Jefferson in the chat. Yeah, so Sean Jefferson, Brian got Hartline. A, Jefferson got a job elsewhere, didn't he? And he's a, he's a passing game coordinator. Like you're talking about, I don't think anybody's going to come on a lateral move to be the Patriots wide receivers coach. Yeah. But do you think uh oh yeah, he took he's with the Jets now, Sean Jefferson. They hired him two weeks ago, so he he's probably out of the picture. Yeah. Do you think, you know, at this point where the coaches are in the building, they have a wide receivers coach and we just don't know about it? Or do you think they're still really working through this thing and, and Troy Brown is is really up in the air here? I think it's possible that uh they, they like have a name and it's, you know, the contract's still getting ironed out or whatever, but yeah, they must have, if they don't have a guy, they probably have like two or three that they're narrowed down to. They have some ideas. So I got distracted. Boston college is hiring Dan O'Brien as the school linebackers coach. He's the son of former Boston college head coach, Tom O'Brien. I don't think he's related oh. to Bill O'Brien. <laughs> they're just getting all the O'Briens. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> Very there's confusing. any relation. I was very confused by that for a second. But uh, we can transition that into Billy O because we've never, yep. we haven't talked about Billy O uh, on this show yet since he took the Boston College head coaching job. He was introduced uh, today. Seems like a great fit for him, right? He was going to oh, go yeah. to Columbus and Ohio State and, and be the offensive coordinator. But it seemed like he came back here last year and he really wanted to be here for a few years, right? Like this is home to him. Even when he was going to Ohio state, it was reported his family was going to stay in the Massachusetts area. His kid plays baseball at tough. So this is an awesome opportunity for him to stay local, be a head coach of his own program. And I, I don't know. It's just exciting for, for Billy O and I'm happy for him. And it's going to make, I think it's going to make BC a little more interesting to follow and, and watch throughout the season. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm happy for him that he stay in the area, and I think he is the right guy for Boston College. I, let's be honest about what that program is. It's a it's a fringe Power Five program, and when you look at how the basketball 
team has struggled recently as well. That's a team that could be at risk with some realignment on, uh, on the way. So this is a program that needs rebuilding and O'Brien is a program builder. That's what he did at Penn state. Now Penn state got the death penalty and you could still argue it wasn't as tough of a situation as the one he's stepping into at BC, but this is what he does. He makes something from nothing. So sounds like Thomas Castellanos is going to stay, which is huge. Cause that's at their guy too. at quarterback. <laughs> yeah, we got <laughs> we, we to specify that, but I, I'm really interested to see what he does. Cause he's made a lot with a little before. And obviously BC's a little right now. And the ACC is going to be wide open for yeah. the next few years. It's really Florida state. That's it. Clemson's fallen off. Dabo's going to be out of there very soon. Who knows? Florida State might leave the conference. Are you that afraid of, I mean, they use the U, but they really haven't been that competitive over the top. Are you that afraid of the U? Are you that afraid of Virginia Tech? Are you that afraid of Pitt? Like these schools that have kind of been these secondary tertiary teams in the ACC. There's no reason to think BC can't get there. So it is going to be fascinating to watch what O'Brien does. And the other thing is, you know, BC's always kind of been uh, a jumping off point. Like you don't go to BC to coach BC. You go to yeah. BC to prove you're ready for your next job. When you look at their last couple of coaches who haven't been fired, they generally move on to bigger jobs relatively quickly. I wonder if that's what Bill O'Brien's in it for. Because again, the, the wanting to stay local and all of that, and you know, the lack of pressure he's going to have there. Is he somebody who maybe is in it for a 10, 15 year window? And I think that alone, that sort of stability, because that's part of the reason, part of the reason, not the whole reason, it's part of the reason the program struggles to uh, uh, recruit is it's just inherently not a stable program. Mm. Bill O'Brien, to me, adds some stability, which I think is really needed, in which that, that school hasn't had in a, in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he said today was his, his dream job. So his his wife was a BC graduate. Obviously, again, he's from the area. So right. He, he could be in that for the long run. I was at the uh, the BC hockey game last week, the day he was inter yeah. introduced, and he came out on the ice, and campus was pretty juiced up. So, again, a, a pretty it, – it's an awesome hire, and it's awesome for Billy O. And, you know, one more note, he's also taking Will Line, who was the yeah. Patriots tight ends coach last year. He's – not surprisingly, but he, he's following him again, and he's going to be his offensive coordinator. So a step up there uh, – Title wise for for Will Lawing and again leaves the Patriots here looking for looking for a tight ends coach. Yeah. Yep. So any last thoughts there uh, on the coaching staff, or we can take uh, one more quick break. If you guys want to put some questions in the chat while we do that, we will get to those. We also have to talk about a trailer that released today. Yes. Uh, but very quickly before we do that, let's hear from LinkedIn. This show is brought to you by LinkedIn Talent Solutions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you want to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Uh, it can be a pain, right? Finding people for jobs, but LinkedIn Jobs definitely makes it easy. It's not just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals which makes it the very best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many qualified candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. 
LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. It's so easy. See how many easies are in there? They're right. So many easies. Two and a half million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash beat, B-E-A-T. That's linkedin.com slash beat, B-E-A-T. To post your job for free, terms and conditions apply. I was just reading uh, Cliff Kingsbury is having his introductory press conference right now with the commanders, and he says the the big thing for him as a quarterback is you want someone who can make plays with their feet, move around enough to escape and make a play. Don't have yeah, to be Lamar or Kyler, but have to buy time. So They're drafting Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels, that, that's how I'm thinking. Well, he also said he wants – he said, what traits do you look for in a quarterback? And he said the Chiefs quarterback. So uh, <laughs> he's not getting Patrick Mahomes, probably not getting Caleb Williams. So I'd love for them to get Jaden Daniels and then Patriots get Drake May. But uh, I was just reading that. Reading that during the commercial break, and thought that was kind of relevant. But we talked about it there very quickly. We were talking about college football. We have to talk about the trailer of the day. NCAA football is coming back in the summer. It was awesome. We've been watching the trailer all day. Alex, I know you love the game just as much as I do. So just go for it. Just be happy about it. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm so excited. It's supposed to drop in. The, the, so they didn't give a date, but somebody had reported, uh, I think like a month ago, that the date's going to be July 12th. So we will not have a show July 12th. <laughs> it's a Friday. We probably won't have a show that Monday. <laughs> Tuesday, you might have to drag me out on the beard and the eyes. But no, I to spin it forward um believe it or not i was not always a college football fan i you know if it was on i would kind of put it on in the background but i was you know i, I loved the nfl i watched the nfl i didn't really follow i'd put on a game and watch a game especially if i knew there was a big game but i wouldn't follow teams week to week i wouldn't make a point like i didn't do college football saturdays part of what got me so into college football was the games those video games honestly did it, it really because I got to know the players. I got to learn some of the traditions because you hear like Kirk Herbstreet, who's supposedly back as the announcer, talking about like, oh, well, this rivalry. And he, he'd teach you about the rivalries and he'd teach you about the different identities of the conferences and things like that. And I, you kind of got to see how like the recruiting stuff, not really how it worked, but like you got to sort of see it's it, it helped conceptualize like how big that is, all of that. So if you want to get into college football and you're like, I just can't sit down on Saturday and watch the games. And maybe you're a Madden guy or a video game guy or girl. This is such a great entryway is playing this game and using it to get familiar. So on top of that, it's also just a ton of fun. Me and my friends from college used to stay up all night. We'd have like week long tournaments. Uh, We would do like for March Madness, we would do a 64 team tournament where we each have teams. We'd play all the games against each other. It would take like a, a week or two. But uh, oh, so many good memories playing that game. Uh, I, I hope they bring the ESPN presentation back. They should bring back, they should do multi-network presentation, which is what the basketball game had. The basketball game had ESPN and CBS. So we'll see if they bring that back. It does sound like, I know people are rolling their eyes like, oh, they're just going to fill it up with microtransactions. It does sound like Dynasty and Road to Glory are the focus. So that's good. Those are the modes we all know and love. Um and it sounds like it's going to be, you know, modernized. So 
they're basing it off the old game, but college football has changed a lot in 10 years. You have the transfer portal, you have NIL, and it sounds like those are going to be big parts of the game, which will be cool. So I'm, I'm super excited. Like, can we get to July 12th already? Like I'm ready to go, especially once we get through the draft, I'm just going to be so gassed up for this game. And we'll probably be getting, they said the full trailers dropping at some point in May. So my guess would be right around right after the draft. I'm going to guess early May. Makes sense. Yeah. Right. When you kind of lynch on to that little bit of college football storyline thing and you have spring games around there, but I'm just, I'm so freaking excited, man. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for it. It's been, it's been a long wait. And I know I'm not alone. Like, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, uh, Kirk Herbstreit and Albert Breer were arguing over who logged more hours back in the day on the NCAA <laughs> series. That. I'd like to throw my hat in that ring. I, I still play. I was playing it. I still have 14. I was playing it the other day. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, in terms of like the culture of the game, like these games like Madden, are part of the culture of football. The thing is, if you're younger, you may not have experienced that to that level. Like you, I know you played it. Like you told me you played it, but there was something about like being in college and you know that. Uh, yeah. But it, this is a, a cultural part of the game, which is, which I love. Like I love the culture of football fans and being part of a community of football fans is a big part of it. And I can't wait to get on there and these, you know, 13, 14 year old kids are like, oh, this is a college football video game. This will be fun. And they don't know about the read option, Brian. They don't know how lethal the read option is. They, they don't know about they don't know about the shark wheel. They're they gonna, don't know. They're gonna try to be throwing the ball all over the yard, and we're just gonna hit them with the read and nope. the triple option, and it's, yeah. it's over. They, they're gonna learn. They're gonna learn. But uh yeah, I'm I'm super excited. Yep. And it, it's always been a better like gameplay too i feel the madden and madden lately has just been like infuriating so it, that's always fun i hope it it stays like it, it was gameplay wise and it's not more like madden so and do they get actual like players now in there with with nil i knew it yeah so be like numbers and and that type of thing but i mean players have the ability to opt out i, I haven't heard of any players doing it. i don't know why they would yeah um i know caleb williams said he was going to but that was I don't know what the hell that was for, what he was trying to prove with that. But uh, so not everybody's going to be face scanned. They said they're only going to initially, they're only going to face scan 50 or so players, which even I, I think the face scan is even less so in, in NCA than it is in, in Madden because the reality, we're all playing dynasty. So within three years, these guys are all gone, gone. anyway. So I, I don't think they're going to have everybody's face, but the, the name, image, and likeness. Like, it'll have the name, it'll have the number. They'll find a face that, like, vaguely looks like him. It'll have the same equipment. The ratings will match the player. Like, that's all, yeah, that's all going to be there. You're going to have, I mean, you're not going to have the guys from this draft, but, like, thinking ahead, you know, Shadur Sanders will be in the game. Uh, Luther Burden, the wide receiver from Missouri, will be in the game. Uh, there's a couple corners Georgia has that's really good that are coming out next year. Like, yeah, they're all going to be, Unless they opt out, which again, I haven't heard of anybody opting out. I don't know why they would. It's like a free $500 or whatever it is each player gets. Uh, and I'm sure the cover athlete will get will get a little more. And they can actually put current college players on the cover now. They couldn't do that in the past. It was a guy from the year before. They should put Denard Robinson on because it would just be hilarious. <laughs> he was on the last well, I was I was just going to ask you, do you have a prediction for, for the cover athlete? I – so a couple things. I – MLB the show used to do it regionally. So there were different yeah. covers depending. I wonder if it's that. I wonder if they put Dion on the cover. I know he's not an athlete and they probably should put an athlete on, but like 
Uh, Shadur is obviously a candidate. I don't know if there's, are there odds on this? Hang on. NCAA Probably somewhere. I was going to say odds. like maybe Travis Hunter. So Travis Hunter. Yeah. Oh, here's like Dion and Shador. That would be kind of cool. But if I'm we do it, if we do it regional, do we get Billy O on the cover? <laughs> <laughs> Castellanos, baby. Oh, true. There you uh, go. So the odds are Quinn Ewers is actually the favorite. I could see that. Cade Klubnik should not be on the cover. <laughs> come on now. Carson Beck. Oh, I think this is from last year. Oh, this is from when the game was supposed to come out last summer. Uh, okay. Carson Beck. Like, I'm like Kyle McCord. You're not putting yeah, Kyle McCord no on there. Please Fair. do not put Kyle McCord on the cover. All right, here we go. So I found the actual odds from uh, Fan Nation NIL. Number one is Colorado multiple. So Shadur, any yeah. multiple of Shadur, Travis Hunter, uh, Deion Sanders. Deion. I, they could put those three on actually. That the three that would make a ton of sense. Quinn Ewers, uh, Donovan Edwards, yeah, it'd be a good pick. Nick they Saban. Should just, they should just put Arch Manning instead of Quinn Ewers on. <laughs> Ooh, one of the options is all the Heisman winners from 2013 to 2023. That's what I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be multiple, and I, I, I so I think it's going to be multiple this year. I think it's going to be like Schur and Travis Hunter and Carson Beck and Luther Burden, and like probably a defensive player, and they'll all be on there. But I don't hate the idea of a timeline. Put Johnny Manziel on there. Give him his due. Yeah. Um, I do know, I, I'm pretty sure that they've already decided. I'd imagine, yeah. I shouldn't say I know that. I don't know that. But it wouldn't surprise me if they've already decided. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's an awesome game. It, it really is. And now yeah. that, you know, you get to do your dynasty and battle out in the transfer portal and the nil it'll, it'll be a, it'll be a fun twist that we obviously never got to experience in the game and, and it helps you get into college and maybe even learn some of these top prospects that you know we could be talking about at this time uh, so i used I'm, to do i used to do the uh the ratings every year i tweet out this is what these guys ratings were in ncaa whatever go. and we'll bring that one back yeah so it's an awesome game definitely would recommend i think what we get the full trailer in, in may you said probably around the draft and then the game Full trailer in may i'm and this is just me guessing i'm guessing early may to capitalize off the draft and then major yeah that gives them like a three-month rollout which is pretty typical for a sports game yeah um if if the reported date of july 12 holds true yeah so our competition, July fifteenth. Whoever shows up to Patsby with more national championships, <laughs> we might, we might have, we might have to do something about it. We might have to like. People always say like, we, I, we used to get asked, and Evan would never do this, and then I got in the crowd <laughs> about it. Do like a Patriots beat Madden franchise on like Twitch. We may have to do some sort of An something NCAA. when NTA comes out with me, you. I'm sure Mike will be playing. We'll get Mike on. We'll get Taylor on. Uh, we may, we may, there may have to be something that happens with that. That would be fun. That would be fun. Yeah. Especially because, you know, we were just saying it's those two weeks with like nothing right. it's so far away, or it's, you know, a few weeks out of OTAs and it's a few weeks before training camp. So it's just kind of that dead zone. So that would be, we know what we can do. We'll, we'll be the pack 12. I'll take Oregon. I'll take Oregon or Washington. I actually want Washington state. I like Washington state. I'll take Washington state. You take Oregon state. If we see what's the conference. <laughs> Because <laughs> there's no other options. That'll be fun. Pac-12 just battling out in the Pac-12. Pac-2 after dark, baby. Oh my gosh, that'll be fun. So yeah, maybe maybe something uh, will come along there. But yeah, just just an awesome game. Uh, really really fun. So 
uh, do you see any questions in the chat? We can kind Let's of wrap here. this up. Here's, I mean, what do you think? Ayuk Daniels, they played together in Arizona State. Seems like, you know, Brandon Ayuk, he's going to, I'd imagine they're going to pick up his fifth year option, but there's been some, you know, cryptic social media posts that he could be on his way out of San Francisco. Obviously, like a tremendous talent, but like, are you probably going to start with pick 34 and maybe, you know, another pick you'd imagine? So where are you at with kind of Brandon Ayuk? Yeah, I think they can swing higher. I think if you're going to trade for a guy, go get T. Higgins at that point. And the yeah. athletics said, like in that report about him getting franchised, they said the expected price is a high second round pick. So who would you rather trade 34 for, Ayuk or T. Higgins? It's close. I really like Brandon Ayuk, but I'd probably lean T. Higgins for, for this offense. But yeah, I want them to go get the real the real X yeah. uh, receiver. Um when is the first mock draft show? That's a good question. I, I want to know who all the coaches are. Yeah. That's Which hopefully will be established next week. It looks like right. will be finalized. Maybe but... I think if we have all the coaches next week, we do it next Thursday because we could do it as no, because next no, it won't be next Thursday. Won't be a combine preview. That'll be the Tuesday after. Maybe next Thursday. If if we the reason I'm uh, we haven't done it just to be honest is if they hire a coach. And then we have to talk about the coach for half an hour. And then we do the mock. Like this happened once with Evan when we did it. It was like a two hour show and it's just, it's too much. It's you guys don't watch it. So I want, I don't want to have to bump it for breaking news or anything like that. So once we have the full coaching staff, we'll probably have a show reacting to the full coaching staff. I would guess the next show after that will be mock the draft. first mock draft show. Like you can don't sharpie it in, but you can pencil that in. I'd feel pretty comfortable with that. So maybe if they finish hiring the coaching staff this week over the weekend, we react to a Tuesday, probably mock draft on Thursday. That would be the plan. Yep. Uh, so Bill O'Brien walked. He did, you know, speaking of Bill O'Brien, he did confirm today that he had an offer to come back to the Patriots staff. Uh, presumably as the offensive coordinator, he was still under contract this year, but he passed. He said, you know, it's important for Gerard Mayo to kind of build how build out his own staff and do things kind of his way. So uh, I don't know if, if walked is the right term, I guess, but that, I, that but was I, the update. Yeah. I, I, I can understand why he wouldn't have wanted to come back. Yeah. I, I, I don't, which I guess would be walking. Yeah. You could put it that way. I guess I, I, I would more, I, I think at this point, I guess he went to Ohio state. I don't think the OC at Ohio State was a better job. I, like, so timeline doesn't work out. I don't think being the OC at Ohio State is a better job than being the OC at the Patriots at this current moment. Yeah. But I do think being the head coach of Boston Colleges, again, he didn't leave for that job. So that, I guess, throws the argument out. But I can understand, like, he doesn't want to go through the rebuild. He, I, yeah. I don't know why he'd want to deal with that. He doesn't need to deal with that. Yeah. Um, I'd take Noah Fant. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. What, is he a free agent? I think so, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd say. I, I was a big no-fan guy coming out of college. I like him. I'm a big fan of his. Um, uh, going back to our running back talk, the ultimate Ramondre placement might be Braylon Allen, Wisconsin. I, I love Brandon Allen, but I don't. He, he's probably going to be a day-two pick, and I don't know if you're yeah. picking a running back at, at that point. But He's also uh, – so this is where it gets complicated because we kind of talked about two things and combined them into one. There's – supplementing Ramondre Stevenson in replacing him. 
like Braylon Allen replaces Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah. But for the one year they're together, you still haven't added that true speed outside back. So if you're going to make two, like, what are you trying to do with the pick? If the goal is to just, hey, we want to get the next Ramondre, then yeah, it'd be a great pick. If the idea is, all right, we want to get a speed back and to compliment him. And then when Ramondre leaves, that guy's our lead back. And next year, we're going to go get the power back. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So I like Braylon Allen. Like, it's nothing against Braylon Allen. It's just, and it, it, both approaches are valid. And it may come down to how the board shakes out. Um, I take Wisconsin is, give me all the Wisconsin backs. They're RBU. It's it's insane, though. What, was, what was Jonathan Taylor's year? Who was the back? I Because I, I loved, jo Jonathan Taylor was one of my favorite backs to watch. Because yeah. he's just, it's also effortless. And I remember in that draft, there were other running backs people were talking about. And I was like, what the hell are you people doing? Well, what? Taylor slipped to like mid forties, right? Is that when the, yeah. Who else was it that everybody loved in that draft? Oh, he ended up going later. Everybody loved JK Dobbins. Yeah. That year. And so it was Deandre Swift or Clyde Edwards Hilaire went 32nd, which was a bad pick. Then Deandre Swift, then Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, JK Dobbins, AJ Dillon, Antonio Gibson, Patriots legend, Keyshawn Vaughn, Patriots legend, Lynn Bowden, Zach Moss, who's just listed running back here, Darius, uh, or Darrington Evans, and the other notable running backs here further down. Not really. Patriots legend Malcolm Perry. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I didn't understand how Jonathan Taylor was an RB1 that year. I never understood that. Yeah, I, I was with you. But uh, we can end here. Last one. What do you guys think about Drake May falling to the Patriots now? We were just talking about, you know, Cliff and what he likes in a quarterback. I've been, it, it really does seem that Jaden Daniels has not only looking at like just Chicago and Washington, but like the consensus with the media and these people putting these draft boards together, it really feels like Jaden Daniels has jumped Drake May as quarterback too. And then you factor in, you know, Cliff is the big one at Washington because either he's probably going to try to really go up there and get Caleb Williams, or you think Jaden Daniels is a better fit for his offense than Drake May. So, I'm at the point where I, I, I don't want to say like I'm 100% convinced because it's February 15th and a long way to go. But where we stand right, right now, I think you know Drake May would would be there at three if like the draft was right now. Well, but the only thing is, if he works out, and I think this is kind of a a game of chicken thing where either neither of them work out or they both work out. May and Daniels. I think if one guy sees the other guy's working out, he has to answer. But they both may just not work out because they don't need to. But I, I, so I, if you remember when we talked about this back in January, I said, I do think Jaden Daniels will pass Drake May at some point, but I thought it was going to come at the combine. Yeah. So now here we are. It's before the combine and he's already gotten there. Jaden Daniels goes out and runs a four, four. I mean, forget about it. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I've had Jane Daniels second quarterback on my board, but I'm with you. I think this is all setting up for Cliff Kingsbury to hand deliver Drake May to the new England Patriots. I think that's absolutely I wouldn't just say it's on the table. I would say it's the most likely outcome. Like, I mean, I know how the NFL draft works. It's not predictable. There was a, I forget who's mock, some mock the other day, popular mock that had the Broncos moving up to two to take Drake May, which is. I think that was between, PFF. Okay. Between Daniels and May, if you're looking at the Broncos tendencies instead of Cliff Kingsbury, Drake May makes a lot more yeah. sense. So I, I like jury's still out on all that, but the order is, as it is, I would say, yeah, Jane Daniels makes a lot more sense <laughs> for Washington than Drake May does, and then the Patriots get their guy. I think you could say that, and I I, get, I think Jaden Daniels is a slightly better prospect, slightly, but in the overall, in the context of Alex Van Pelt's offense, 
Drake may makes a lot more sense. He's more experienced under center. He's, you know, does better throwing in the middle of the field, things like that. So you could say it works out that the Patriots end up getting Drake may by default, essentially. Yep. Music to my ears. Cause I, I'm a big Drake may fan, but we will wrap it up there. Uh, we'll be back next week, most likely Monday, but as always subscribe to the channel, turn on your notifications. So you do know, when we go live until then follow alex on twitter at real alex barth head over to 985thesportshub.com he's still got a mock draft up there from this past week and more patriots coverage over again at 985thesportshub.com you can follow me at i am brian hines on twitter head over to patspulpit.com for our patriots coverage thank you all as always for tuning in have a wonderful weekend and we will see you guys next week